Welcome to Jay Mosley Ministries Transformational Living Podcast. I'm Jackie Mosley, your host, and thank you for tuning in to part two of Grace, Favor, and Promotion. And today we will complete this series by discussing favor and promotion that will consist of thought-provoking biblical truth, information, knowledge, and wisdom to inspire you to study and search the scriptures for holy and righteous living in these perilous times of which we live. So grab you a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, or a bottle of water, and join me on this journey of biblical truth to look to the Word of God pertaining to part two of grace, favor, and promotion. For there is a vast difference between the values this world perceives and what the Lord commands as valuable. I encourage you to listen to this episode to get the complete message. However, if you are unable to listen all at once, then come back at a later time and pick up where you left off. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace, your favor, and your promotion. Thanking you for your victory, for your saving power, your healing power, your delivering power, your overcoming power, your conquering power. We thank you for triumphant confidence in you. For to live is Christ and to die is gain. For we know our Redeemer living. Father, give your people boldness and courage to stand for righteousness and to live in your righteousness in these last and evil days. For you are our rock of refuge and a fortress of our defense to save us from our enemies. Oh, how great is your goodness, Lord, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's something that I would like to mention to those who may be listening that are preachers and teachers who deliver the biblical truth of God's word. I would like to encourage you today. Please, please, please be encouraged. And do not allow the enemy to shut you down or shut you out. If you preach and teach against the greed of riches and those who idolize material possessions, be prepared for accusations against you for being jealous and envious that is far from the truth. Because if that was the case, then those same people are actually saying that Jesus was jealous and envious because he is the one who taught multiple sermons on the Mount and to his disciples against greed of riches and materialism and the wickedness associated with that lifestyle. And not to mention King Solomon, who was the richest man to ever live. He himself talked about the vanity, oh my God, of the riches and materialism of that lifestyle. And oh yes, Jesus was called Beelzebub, my God today, which means Lord of the Flies, 
or the prince of devils or demons. So expect to be falsely accused by those who do not know your heart. And how foolish it is for folks to think that every person alive desires riches, which is far from the case. What I've come to understand is that those folks who think everybody desires riches project their, their own desires on others. God's true people who do not have material riches are spiritually rich towards God. Amen. So let us proceed into this final series on grace, favor, and promotion. The podcast scriptures can be found in Luke chapters 1 and 2, Job chapter 1, Genesis chapters 37 through 50, and Revelation chapter 3 verses 13, I'm sorry, verses 7 through 13. And if there are any other scriptures mentioned in this particular series, please do go back and and read those. So let's look at the biblical meaning of favor. Is God's favor not fair? As the popular cliche that folks constantly state, does this statement accurately reflect in the Word of God? Well, in order to answer these questions, one needs to know how God defines favor and how people define favor and what are the differences and the outcomes. Favor means approval, support, or liking someone or liking for someone or something. It means a state of being approved or held in high regard. To treat with goodwill, to give special regard, to show exceptional or unmerited kindness towards someone. All this favor ain't fair is complete nonsense. God does not define favor like people define favor. And people try and make God's favor what they think it is, as opposed to what the Bible says. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. For example, when Jesus came to earth, the Pharisees added to God's law and turned it into a religious system without a relationship with Christ. They believed themselves to be righteous because they followed the system of rules they set up. And they assured themselves that they were God's favorites because they were descendants of Abraham and because they were so religious. Now that's favor in their own eyes, man's favor. But Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of that day, saying, you hypocrites, you honor me with your lips, my God, but your heart is far from me. In whom do they worship me? teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. 
Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9. So I guess the favor that ain't fair that folks talk about is when life is comfortable and you are not in need of anything. When everything is going your way, you're doing what you want to do. There are no restrictions or limitations in life. You've been on your job or owned your business for many years. You earn a large salary and you live in a nice home and drive a nice car. Your cabinets are overflowing with food and you come and go as you please. You have health, mental vision, and life insurance. You have a 401k plan and you're ready for retirement. You have peace in your relationships. All your needs are met. Your paths are straight. Ways are made. Doors are open. Is this the measuring stick folks use to say they have God's favor? Hmm. This sounds like a simple cause and effect system where people think God rewards those who do right with nice things, happy times, and smooth travel while allowing horrible pain and failure to befall those who cross or disappoint him. Well, my friends, this is equivalent to the faulty math of the more blessed folks, which is my favorable experiences equals God's favor, which is far from biblical truth. And the book of Job refutes this dangerous theological belief system. I'll read various scriptures in the book of Job. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, says there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright. And one that feared God and shunned evil. Job had seven sons and three daughters, meaning he had 10 children, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 5,000, I'm sorry, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys, a large number of servants. He was considered the greatest man among all people of the East. Now, according to man's favor, Job was living the good life, the blessed life, as they say. Job's net worth in today's time would be approximately $56 million. Oh, but God tested mm, Job's faith and allowed Satan to destroy his possessions, children, and his health. My God, today. Oh, Jesus. And verses 20 through 22 says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell upon the ground and worshiped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. What is the all this? The scripture is talking about all of the loss that Job experienced. The loss of his children, the loss of his possessions, the loss of his health, 
and of all people his wife who said to him dost thou still retain thy integrity curse God and die and of all people his three friends who intended to mourn with him and comfort him only brought more pain and misery by their accusations and condemnation that Job is suffering because of some terrible sin he committed and persuading Job to repent. But Job maintained his innocence. And although his friends were partially true about suffering for sin, it did not, I repeat, it did not apply to Job's life. But God wanted Satan, Job, and his three friends to understand that suffering causes people to trust God for who he is, not for what he does. Therefore, God rebuked Job's friends for adding to Job's suffering by their false accusations and critical attitudes. And God restored my God, Job, with greater blessings than he had before. My goodness. What if you lost everything, all your possessions, your children died and you were stricken with a terrible disease, but you know that you are living an obedient and faithful life for the Lord. Does this mean that you do not have the favor of God in your life? Hmm. God still favors his people in the midst of loss. Satan, Job's three friends, Job's silly wife, and young Elihu were all wrong in their assumptions about Job's suffering. They didn't have all of the facts about Job. What's sad is that Job's wife didn't really know him. She turned out to be a gold digger. Job's friends didn't really know him. And of course, Satan didn't know Job. He wasn't interested in knowing Job at all. All Satan was interested in was turning Job away from God to try and get Job to renounce God. But only God knew Job. God has shown us through this biblical account that he will always have people who will remain faithful to him regardless of the circumstances, hallelujah, that this life may bring my God today. God gave us this biblical truth to let us know that his favor doesn't always feel good or result in earthly rewards. God's favor most likely will be given in spiritual blessings than in material blessings today. We will explore other examples of people in the Bible who were favored by God, but experienced many difficulties in their lives. There is a contrast between man's favor and God's favor. The Virgin Mary who God described as blessed and highly favored. The Greek word for the phrase highly favored means much grace. 
Grace is unmerited favor, which is a gift that is not deserved. And God gives grace upon grace and much grace as he gave Mary. Mary, Jesus's mother, was highly favored by God. But the Bible does not mention anything special that Mary did to obtain God's favor. However, Mary was a righteous woman who humbly submitted to God's plan with faith. But she was also a sinful human being that needed God's grace like the rest of humanity. And she was carrying grace, my God, in the person of Jesus Christ in her womb. My goodness today. So in Luke chapter one, starting at verse 26, it reads, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee to a virgin to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Her son was born in a stable and laid in a manger and at the cross where Jesus died Mary felt the sword that pierced her soul now this is not the typical picture of favor according to man's standard of favor according to man just because Mary was blessed and highly favored by God her and Joseph should have stayed in a five-star hotel and Jesus should have been born in a state-of-the-art hospital according to man's favor my goodness today now let's talk about Joseph not Mary's husband but Joseph Jacob's son and he actually was the 11th son of Jacob to his favor, favored wife, Rachel. Joseph's father, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was born to him in his old age and Jacob made Joseph an ornate robe which is also called a coat of many colors. Now Joseph's brothers knew their father loved him more than them. And that caused his brothers to hate him to the point that Joseph's brothers plotted to kill him in the wilderness by throwing him into a cistern. They deceived their father into thinking that Joseph was slain by wild beasts and they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt and he was sold again to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. Jacob's favor of Joseph caused division in the family, caused hatred, jealousy, attempted murder, and Joseph was estranged from his family and sold into slavery 
in another culture of people. Why? Because of man's favor. Because of man's favor. But all God's favor is greater than man's favor. God's favor brings about justice, unity, fairness, goodness, love, and salvation. Yes, God's favor is always glory to God for the salvation of others, not for self-centered purposes that man's meaning of favor is defined. We will review Joseph's promotion later on. But God's favor on Joseph's life saved his family and the nation of Egypt from starvation, from the cause of a famine that struck in his day. Man's favor and God's favor have completely different meanings. In the eyes of man, Noah did not have favor because the people mocked him, vexed his spirit, they made fun of him while building an ark on dry land, and the people ignored his preaching for 120 years until the judgment floods came. But Genesis 6 and 8 says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. To have God's grace is to have God's favor. In the eyes of men, the apostle Paul and the other apostles did not have favor because they were flogged, reviled, threatened, falsely accused, arrested, beaten, thrown in prison while doing the work of the Lord. Furthermore, the person of Jesus Christ, who done no wrong, no guile was found in his mouth. My God, he fed the people, he healed the people, he delivered the people, he taught the people, he counseled the people, he gave to the people, he blessed the people, he touched the people, he prayed for the people, he wept for the people, he rebuked the people, he performed miracles for the people, he preached to the people, but yet he had no place to lay his hand. He was lied on by the people. He was reviled by the people. He was despised by the people. He was rejected by the people, forsaken by the people. He was whipped by the people. He was beaten and crucified by the same people. Oh my goodness. But according to man, Jesus did not have the favor of God. Although he is God, wrapped in human flesh as the Christ, the son of the living God, who is the source of righteous favor as defined according to his word. Glory to God in the highest. Now what's not fair is folks assigning faith to worldly circumstances and situations that has nothing to do with God's favor. Man's favor is not fair. Let me say that again. Man's favor is not fair. Man's favor causes divisions, strife, provocation, envyings and jealousies that result in the loss of relationships and life. God's favor is just, is fair, is righteous, is honest. And how dare people to even say that God who is holy, mm, he's holy 
and righteous would do something that is not fair. That's not even in God's character. That goes against the integrity of God. For God is no respecter of persons and shows no partiality. Sometimes when you do what's right, you are not always rewarded and accepted by people in this life. But instead, you receive opposition and persecution and you're evil spoken of. Man's favor is different from God's favor. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. My God today. There is a spiritual famine in the land today. My God, there is a spiritual famine in the land today. And what's unusual about this famine is that it's not because there is a shortage of food. We have all of the good food we need to be spiritually healthy and vibrant. But yet there are many who are suffering from spiritual malnutrition because folks are fed with junk food and folks are wasting away because they refuse to feed upon the bread of heaven, the source of spiritual nutrition. The word of God and the person of Jesus Christ, my God today. Finally, finally we will look at promotion and promotion means to exalt, to lift up, to increase and make high. My God today, instantly when I read that definition, I thought about Jesus and when Satan took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and the glory of them. And Satan told Jesus that he would give him the kingdoms of the world and the glories of them all if he would bow down, my God, and worship him. My goodness. My goodness. So from a biblical perspective, God's promotion has nothing to do with numbers and size. Now I'm going to talk about the church here for a moment. So the church has adopted the world's system. of promotion, meaning to advance in rank, dignity, position, <clears throat> open recognition, to generate sales, to put ahead to the next higher stage, to increase in status, dollars, goods, and services. Help us today, Lord. The church is selling the word of God and merchandising people in the form of branded products. The Apostle Paul removed himself and other ministers of the gospel from the false apostles and the false teachers who corrupted and peddled the word of God for a prophet. Most people in the body of Christ often associate promotion with numerical growth as the measuring stick for ministry success, which is not biblical truth. The Bible gives many examples to refute this way of thinking. 
church folks resort to worldly methods and marketing schemes to determine church growth. And God doesn't operate like the world. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Now, while looking at the church filled with people, one may come to the conclusion that they are truly growing and are successful according to man's view of promotion. But often these churches are filled with unregenerate people, which is not growth or promotion in the sight of God. These lukewarm churches, the Lord Jesus has spewed out of his mouth. One refuting example is if numbers determine promotion. My God today, why did Jesus select only 12 disciples? There were numerous thousands of people living in that day, but Jesus chose only 12 to follow him initially. Jesus's followers were numerous when he performed miracles, but his followers diminished greatly when he taught the truth and many turned away. And not to mention the ministry of Jeremiah, my God, the preaching and weeping prophet who no one listened to. He had a, a zero followers, but Jeremiah was exalted in the sight of God, not man, because Jeremiah's ministry was based on obedience to God, not numbers or size. Any preacher or teacher who comes against cultures reeking in idolatry, greed, and false prophets will experience opposition, persecution, and difficulties. Again, I want to encourage God's true shepherds and teachers who are charged with the responsibility to preach repentance to set your face like a flint and continue with the message God has given for he sees your work you may have only a few in your church but remember the church at Philadelphia who were few in number mm, but were steadfast in faith and kept God's word and endured patiently. The only church to receive a commendation from Christ without any rebukes. There were only a few in the Ark of Noah, eight people to be exact. And no one listened to Jeremiah. But this does not mean that you are in insignificant ineffective or unnoticeable to God because Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia I know your deeds man may not notice you my goodness you may not be seen by men you may be invisible to man oh my God and people may condescendingly ask you, what church do you belong to? Again, that goes back to the merchandisers. Oh my God, that are branded by the church. If you don't have a brand of man on you, oh, don't you worry, don't you despair. My God, because you're branded by God. But some people want to know what church you belong to. My goodness. To see if they can associate with your brand, with your church's brand. And then when 
When you give them the name of your church, some people will say, I never heard of that church before. But Jesus said, I know your work. So keep on working, as Jesus said. Hold on to what you have, the truth of God, so that no one will take your crown. Revelation 3, verses 7 through 13. Now let's go on to talk about the promotion of Joseph. God promoted Joseph and Joseph is a type of Christ. And this is Joseph, the 11th son of Jacob, the patriarch. God promoted Joseph to a position of power and prestige to second in command of Potiphar. Only after a chain of painful divine purpose events. But the broader perspective of Joseph's promotion was not for his own prosperity, but for his brother's preservation and the salvation of a nation from famine. Joseph became the savior for his brethren and the nation of people. We must be humbled by the fact that while God cares for us as individuals, he often has a broader purpose for what he gives to us. My God, today, spiritual gifts, for example, are not given for our own benefit so much as for the upbuilding of others. 1 Corinthians 12 and 7 says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. My God, today. But when you look in churches today, you see much self-promotion. Chief apostle this and apostle so-and-so and uh, chief prophet so-and-so and that is not the intent on how the gifts were supposed to be used those people want to develop followers unto their own selves when we are to be pointing people to Christ and building up people my God today so we must be careful using Joseph as a promise that all who are faithful in suffering will be brought to glory and prosperity in this life. Now let's look at the contrast between the lives of Joseph and Moses, who both were a type of Christ. Joseph, my God today, began in the land of Canaan and ended up in the land of Egypt with the nation Israel under his care. Moses began in the land of Egypt and ended up in the land of Canaan with the nation of Israel under his care. Joseph began his life as a shepherd in the pastures of his father and was exalted to the palace of Pharaoh. Moses was taken as an infant into the palace of Pharaoh, but later became a shepherd among the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro. However, God chose to elevate Joseph from the pasture to the palace. Why? In order to save his brothers and the nation of Egypt. On the other hand, God had Moses to step down from the palace in order to lead the people of God out of bondage where into the desert. 
Moses was demoted, not in the eyes of God, for God called Moses out of Pharaoh's palace to the backside of the desert in preparation of delivering a nation of people from bondage. And I meant to say, was Moses demoted? Not that Moses was demoted, my apologies. But was Moses demoted? No, he was not. My goodness today. God's promotion purposes are not achieved through only one method or pattern for all men. He raises some up, giving them power and prosperity while he humbles others. And we have no right to demand that God treat us just as he did Joseph, for he may choose to deal with us as he did Moses. Or more likely, he may deal with us in some way that is entirely different from the way he directed Joseph and Moses' life. Joseph then is no guarantee that faithful obedience will always lead to position, prosperity, and power in this life. God elevated Joseph because he trusted and obeyed God in all circumstances of his life. And Pharaoh elevated Joseph because he was diligent and skillful. I'll say that again. Pharaoh elevated Joseph because he was diligent and skillful in his work. Piety without proficiency is folly. We praise God in our work as well as in our words, for one without the other is useless. Many Christians are unprofitable for the kingdom of God because they are addicted to their cell phones, addicted to the internet, addicted to money, addicted to fame, addicted to notoriety. And for many, the resulting consequences are neglecting God and even sometimes family. Yes, privileges have the ability of mastering us. And we must be careful of this possibility. Addiction is another form of idolatry. It is sin. It's a form of mastery and only the Lord Jesus Christ should be our master. For Jesus himself said, you can only have one master. You cannot serve two masters. Believers are to submit to God and allow him to do what he deems necessary, regardless of how things may appear to us or how difficult. Things are not good all the time, but because God's hand is mighty and because he is faithful and full of wisdom, he is able to work things together for our good and the good of conforming us into the character and likeness of Christ. Sometimes that lifting up may occur in this life as we experience God's encouragement, deliverance, or work in our ministry, but sometimes not until the life to come, eternal life. The lifting up process is first of all, a humbling process. The way up is always the way down. The way of death, which is dying to self-control, is the way of life. The way of becoming a humble servant who gives his life for others as the Savior did for us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 25. 
We must learn to wait on the Lord. Often in the pride of leaning on our own understanding, we run ahead of God. We want what we think we need right now. And in our impatience, we turn to our own schemes and use manipulation to get what we want. No matter how long God delays, we are never to attempt to take matters into our own hands and to seek to lift or promote ourselves by our own human strategies. We are to allow God's humbling process to have its transforming effect in making us conformable to the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. Believers must be careful to guard against self-promotion. Jesus said in Matthew 6, take heed that ye do not do your alms or good deeds before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. If you pray to be seen by men to promote your ego and strength, then you've lost all your rewards right there and will be of little use to anybody. My God today, the Lord is is worth recording for. The Lord is worth dying for. But the Lord is worth not recording for if that proves to be too ego enhancing. Believers must constantly monitor the sin and the wickedness of their own hearts to determine or discern if all they're doing is for the glory of Christ. Jesus said, he who comes after me, let him deny himself. Not lift up himself, but deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. When Christ increases in your life, self should decrease. John chapter 3, verse 30. People do not always know why, when, or how promotion will come about. God would prefer a person to develop character at the station of life where they are. And good character is not a guarantee for promotion. For Christians, just for Christians, this sometimes happens in the workplace where you may have been excluded and shunned because of your hard work. My God, the prophet Daniel was hated for his strong work ethic and the favor that it brought. His co-workers devised a plot for him to be thrown in the lion's den. You can read more about this in Daniel chapter six. And Daniel was not even seeking a promotion, but simply honoring God in his work. But he was promoted after deliverance from the lion's den. Believers should be aware of the possibility of persecution instead of reward for their labor in this life. Should excellent work always result in promotion or earthly rewards? The answer is no, not always. Where is the grace, the favor, and the promotion in these cases? Some people are promoted for good skills and work ethics, while others are demoted for good skills and work ethics. Some people are even promoted undeservingly that has nothing to do with God's grace or favor. And they have poor skills and poor work ethics, but yet they are promoted. 
Now this is an upside down and this is a backwards concept, but it happens in workplaces today. Satan, FKA Lucifer, had an issue in this area because he said in his heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High because he desired to be God. He desired the seat in the throne of God. He desired to be worshiped by man. Read Isaiah chapter 14 about Lucifer and his fall. It wasn't enough that Lucifer was an anointed cherub, a guardian cherub to the position among the fiery stones and was exceedingly beautiful and great. My goodness today, Now, many believers believe that the gifts of the spirit are hierarchical or promotional in nature, which is not biblical truth. First and foremost, man does not have the power or authority to distribute the gifts of the spirit, for they are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if that is happening in a church, that is not the spirit of God in operation, but it is the works of the flesh, namely the spirit of pride that is operating in God's place, doing God's business. It is God by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit that distributes his gifts of the spirit according to his infinite wisdom. No man has any decision-making authority on which gifts of the Spirit a person receives. When man starts to assign levels of elevation to the gifts of the Spirit, it opens the door and causes divisions, spiritual pride, spiritual abuse, and arrogance in the body of Christ. Now I'll talk more about this in the uh, next podcast, Is the Church for Unbelievers? That is coming soon. The Lord desires you to accept his gift of grace, to receive his favor for your life, to grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Proverbs 16 and 3. Thank you for listening to Transformational Living Podcast. Depositing for eternity as spiritual millionaires. Please tune in to the next episode that is, is the church for unbelievers? This question will be answered, applying biblical truth. Also, Babylon is falling. Dishonest scales, weights, and merchants will also be coming very soon. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. God bless you and keep you is my prayer.